The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we review the Pachuca Friendly. We'll preview the upcoming Montreal match, and we'll talk about some other Austin FC news. Oh, yeah, we also had the chance to sit down with Austin FC player Diego Fagundes a few days ago, so uh, we'll also play that interview for you. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And Landon, we uh, well, you went to the USA match on Friday, correct? You want to talk about That's that right. experience a little bit? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it's always fun to go see your the team you're cheering for score a bunch of goals, and uh, also I, I like treat those games a little bit differently in my mind. I guess like I can just be like, not that I'm not a fan at the Austin FC games, but I feel like I have to pay extra close attention because I know I'm going to have to talk about it on the show. <laughs> Uh, but for the U.S. game, like going into it, knowing that, okay, Granada's probably not going to be very good and this game doesn't really mean anything. I just got to just like hang out and enjoy some soccer. And it turned out being like from a U.S. perspective, kind of fun to watch just because we scored a bunch of goals. Yeah. And how was it like crowded noise wise? I know there was a lot of consternation and like, you know, people were worried about after Christian Pulisic kind of called out the fans in Cincinnati the week before, like if we would repeat that performance or if we would have a strong showing in Austin. Numbers wise, it was pretty good. Um, I would say they announced it as sold out. And I like, I think it probably was, there's a few empty seats here and there, but I'd say you could call most of those like people in the bathroom or at the concession stand for the most part. So maybe a, a few empty seats, but it was mostly packed. Um, I would say I also went to the, the, World Cup qualifying game against Jamaica uh, last year. And that game was far more rowdy than than this one. So I think it was like a more casual experience overall, just uh, as far as the environment goes. But numbers were quite good. Yeah, that's that's good. To, that's good to hear. I was a little bit worried about that because it's the third, what, third time in 15 months or something that we've gotten the national team here. So people are still not tired of it. Yeah, and this is um, arguably the game that meant the least of those three. And it was at 9 p.m. with an Austin FC game the following night. Uh, it was at least on a, on a Friday, so I think that made it a little bit easier for folks to come out. But yeah, it was it was a good crowd. And then the other question we got on Twitter was where Ferreira stands among all-time scorers at Q2 with his... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did he have? He had four, right? Uh, he had four Friday. in that game. Yeah, against Grenada, he had four. Then I was doing some digging. I don't know if I got all of these numbers right because trying to dig through various games and stuff, I'm sure there's a website that you just type in these parameters and it spits it out, but I don't know what it is. So um, I think from my calculations, Sebastian Driussi is the leading scorer uh, at Q2 Stadium with nine, I believe. And then second place... I believe is Jesus Ferreira with six. He scored two against Austin FC in a game there last season and then four the other night against Granada. So I think Jesus Ferreira currently sits second all-time scoring at Q2 Stadium. Wow. And then the other the other discussion that we had in the press box on Saturday night was whether or not his hair counts as a mullet. And I don't think that you think it does. But do you 
How do you feel about that? Like, I mean, it's it's short on top and long in the back. It's just very well maintained. And it's also like because his hair is like kind of curly, it's not like the hair on top of his head is hanging down to his neck. It's just like the hair at the bottom of his head sticks out more, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, that's true. It doesn't hang at all. You're right. <laughs> so I don't know if it counts as a mullet. And honestly, I think he kind of like pulls it off. I think it looks good on him, but um, I don't know. We'll have to call in the experts to decide if it's a mullet or not. Maybe so. If you have an opinion, share, share it on Twitter. Let us know whether you think he has a mullet or not. Uh, talking about that leading scorer list, now that I'm thinking about it, I didn't count this up, but I think Ricardo Pepe would be either tied for third or in third on his own with five because he scored... Th- uh, I think he scored at least one or two against us in games and then scored two against Jamaica, I think. So I, he's he'll be on the list as well. I think that's right. I think that's right. Well, and we'll get we'll get it uh the opportunity to maybe redeem ourselves a little bit in a couple of weeks, but yeah, FC Dallas has had our number for sure at Q2 Stadium. It so I'm looking forward to that return match. Hopefully we'll get a better outcome. Yeah. Um let's jump into a few bits of Austin FC news before we jump into the Pachuca match. So it is National Pride Month. I know Austin has its own separate Pride Month in August. Is that right? Yes, that's right. We have our big Pride March and things like that in August. But on a league-wide basis, it's June. Well, I guess for the rest of the world, it's June. For the rest of the country, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, so Austin FC has a few uh, events and initiatives going on. you want to tell us what those are, Jeremiah? So the first one was on Tuesday, Tuesday, on Sunday, June 12th. Uh, Austin FC held the first inaugural Y'all Means All Cup, which is a seven-on-seven soccer tournament uh, benefiting a local LGBTQIA nonprofit. Took place at the crossover in Leander, and I believe Team Polio FC was the winner of that. And I don't... All right. I assume it wasn't just Trevor, that he had other people playing with him. (laughs) And I believe that was the debut of the Pride Polio, right? I think that would have been the first time that it came out. Yeah. What position did Polio play? I don't know. I don't I feel like what yeah, what where, where would you put Poyo if you had to put him somewhere on the field? I mean, if we're speaking realistically, it doesn't move. And so where would be the least damaging place on the field? I've seen some center backs in their time that probably probably filled that role. But yeah, they did that. I think I believe they beat Los Verdes in the final. Um but look a really fun tournament. And then the second thing, we just talked about the FC Dallas match, but the Pride Night match is going to be the June 25th, which is a Saturday night home night match against FC Dallas. There were the Pride training tops during the warmups. Proceeds will go, they'll auction them off, and proceeds will go to benefit local nonprofits, and they'll have jerseys with Pride numbers during the match. So that should be an interesting uh, match, you know, and for many reasons. One is like we don't get a lot of home matches during this stretch of a couple months, and so that should be a big one. I imagine it'll be a big crowd, it'll be an excited crowd, so it's cool to be able to do that. Um, and raise some money for a good cause also on the same night. We also have the Austin Soccer Foundation's annual gala coming up on July 14th. I have been out of town. I guess last year was the first one they had in a while, but I was out of town for it. I think I'm actually going to be in town this year and and we'll end up going. So I'm guessing you've been to, to no, these before? No, I've, I've, ta- oh. I've been out of town before too. And so this, this should be my first one to go. So that's on, you said Thursday, July 14th, uh, 730 to 10. The speaker this year is Linda Hamilton, who's a 2022 National Soccer Hall of Fame inductee, 1991 World Cup winner, and the coach at Southwestern University right now. But they have a good, 
it's a good event from everything I've heard. I've done the um, they've had a, they do this and they do a foot golf tournament. And I've been to the football golf tournament in the past, but I've never been to this event. So it's at South Congress Hotel, um, and it goes to their scholarship fund. So it should be a fun event. The whole soccer community should come out. So I would encourage folks to go to AustinSoccerFoundation.org, read more about it, and pick up a ticket. Will you be wearing your green tux to this event, Jeremiah? I will. If it's a tuxedo jacket event, I will definitely wear my Verde <laughs> tuxedo jacket. I mean, it's it's got to be on brand. Uh, some other Texas MLS news is that Hector Herrera is now in Houston, uh, and they announced essentially what his first game available is going to be, and that's going to be on July 9th against FC Dallas. Austin then plays Houston midweek that same week on July 12th. I think it's midweek. Maybe it's, it's it's the same week either way. But essentially, this is going to be the first time that Austin could eventually face Mexican legend Hector Herrera. Um, I th- Like Hector Herrera, he's only 32 now. I think a lot of people are looking at him and thinking of him as like this old washed up guy. He's only 32, still still playing at a very high level up until a few weeks ago. Uh, I doubt we would see him a full 90 against us with it being his second game available. Um, I also am not sure that he completely fixes this team. <laughs> I think he's going to be good, but uh, him and Karaskia kind of play the same position. And so I don't know who you take out to make the team better. But anyway, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what 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 kind of crowd he brings out to a game uh, and how he can may or may not kind of re-energize that Houston crowd once he starts playing as well. Yeah, that that one is on Tuesday night. You talked about it being during the week. So that's one that may be a challenge in terms of having a full and excited crowd. So I think he would probably add something to that. If he, Well, I think it doesn't matter if he plays. Like if he's there, he's people are going to show up. If it's the possibility of him playing. Exactly. It'll help ticket sales at least. <laughs> um. All right, let's jump into this Pachuca match. So, Jeremiah, you mentioned on the last show that we were looking into sitting in the press box. It ended up working out. They let us in against all odds. Yeah. <laughs> and we sat in the press box. It ended up being a, a pretty fun experience. Yeah, it was a really neat experience. I think the thing that we both most appreciated about it was the air conditioning in the press box once we got oh, sort yeah. of back out on the street. But yeah, it Man, was- we stepped out, stepped out at halftime, and it just like punched you in the face after being in that air conditioner for the whole first half. So yeah, I think the tacos were good. Um, I think you've rediscovered your love for Diet Coke. It's another thing that I learned. Oh man. I never had, the thing is I never had a love for Diet Coke. I like tried one on a whim at work the other day and someone left a bunch in the fridge at work and I've been drinking those, but they had Diet Coke at the press box and I like, I don't know. I have to stop. (laughs) So it wasn't, yeah, it was a really fun experience. It wasn't a huge crowd. We had the chance in the press box. It was a good crowd in the stadium, I think. It's more than I expected it to be given sort of the game the night before and the parameters for it. But um, yeah, we had the chance to live tweet that because there was no radio or TV broadcast. And we could see Jeremiah the Voice's cowboy hat <laughs> in the booth next to us. But it was it was a fun experience all the way around, I think. I would absolutely do it again. Yeah, the uh, the poor... Uh, Austin FC statistician that was sitting up there in the box with us whenever Pachuca made eight subs in the second half. It was just like the whole press box just yelling out numbers so he could write down which number was going on. 
Well, the other thing about those numbers that we should we get into is the fact that they don't have single digit numbers. Right? Remember number yeah. number nine, it was zero nine, and number seven zero was zero nine. seven. Yeah, that was interesting. I had never seen that before. Um we are kind of expecting to see triple digit numbers because I and we said this on the show before. Liga and Mekis teams don't repeat a single number throughout their entire system. And so if you've been recently promoted from the academy system, you'll very likely have a very high number, even a triple digit number. So you might see number 125 playing center back for a Mexican team occasionally. So we were going to see how many triple digit numbers we saw, and there were zero. Uh, we went back and looked through some of Pachuca's earlier rosters, and even they played in the the Liguilla final against Atlas a, a couple of weeks ago. And in that game, it was most of these same guys played in one or both of those legs of that tie. And then looking at a few lineups throughout, it was mostly the same guys. So this was more or less a for, first choice lineup from Pachuca. Which I think is for those of you that just saw the scoreline is hopefully encouraging because they, they brought and played their best just like Austin for the most part, was that was the first choice lineup for Austin too? Uh, not quite. I wouldn't call it first choice because okay, except no, for, yeah. except for GUC, it's mostly starters. No, but, I mean, so Kip Keller started, Felipe started, Gite started, and so and then Kolmanich. Are we calling him a starter <laughs> now? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know what we're calling him at this point. <laughs> so it's like three to four changes, and like without GUC, it's a pretty big change. Without Gabrielson, that's a pretty big change. Although Kip has done well, but um, without Danny, that's so it's like the changes that were made were significant ones. Okay, that's and fair. so even though it's like mostly starters, like some of the most important starters were not on the field. Um, but we saw the the lineup was released just like in list form as it usually is, and so Aruti and Gite were both on there, and so looking at who was available. Jeremiah and I were sitting in the press box trying to figure out like what formation are they about to play thinking it was going to be a 4-4-2 that's like kind of what we settled on with Felipe and ring in central midfield Fagundes and Finley on the wings and then Uruti and Gite up top um, starting out we didn't have a ton of the ball and so they were set up in a 4-4-2 just because we always defend in a 4-4-2 then as we had the ball more at the beginning looking at it i thought it was still a 4-4-2 with just two strikers there um as the game went on i think it kind of fluctuated into a 4-3-3 and so fagundes we're struggling to to build out of the back and so what i kind of think ended up happening is fagundes would float inside and play more at like kind of in drusi's role and then uruti would drift wide left and play as like a a high winger stretching the back line. And so it did start to look like a 4-3-3 at times, but I think it kind of drifted back and forth. In any case, it wasn't the same kind of 4-3-3 that we're necessarily used to seeing from Austin FC all the time. So it was a little a little bit of a, a mix-up. So do you think that that was just to give people time, or do you think Josh is working on a formation that we might see during the regular season, or do you have any... Obviously, you weren't in his head, but do you have any guess about sort of why we rolled out this lineup? I really don't know. Another thing worth mentioning is that Johan Valencia did not suit up and was not there. Um, I guess we should go back and kind of talk, yeah, let's about, talk that, about that, who too. was and wasn't there. So 
as soon as the players came out of the dressing room to start warming up, we were all looking for Cecilia Dominguez because it was kind of the the big potential story of the night is a lot of people speculating that maybe this would be the game that they would try to give him a few minutes just because it's it's not televised, it's not a league game. Maybe this would be the time to to sneak him out on the field and get a few minutes under his belt. So as they come out to to warm up, he's not there. Um, we finally narrowed it down to who wasn't on the field, and it's the entire roster minus Cecilia Dominguez, Jared Stroud was not there, and Johan Valencia was not there. Uh, we saw photos of Dominguez in the stands uh, at one point, so he was in the building. I never saw anything from Stroud or Valencia. They may have been there, just we didn't see any pictures of it but i'm not sure what the case is there if um stroud hasn't been getting picked on any rosters but you would think if they're calling everybody that he would have been there so not sure what the case is there not sure what the case is with valencia either um with a game coming up where danny Pereira is not going to be available you would have hoped that valencia would be here so i don't know if it's a thing where he's he left town during the break and and isn't back yet or if uh, he's injured and wasn't available. Yeah, let's hope it was just an extended break that he got for some reason, and he hasn't made it back in yet, because that does that will make Montreal challenging, which we'll get to in the preview if we have neither Valencia nor Danny. I mean, um, we got Charlie Asensio, so you know that, that was basically everybody except for those three. Yeah, so looking at this lineup uh, against Pachuca, this, if Valencia is not available right now for whatever reason, maybe this is wolf's best estimation of like this is our best lineup playing against montreal on the road without valencia or Pereira available but i don't know yeah so the game gets going and it goes bad quickly um was so the first goal was what three minutes into the match uh it was early or in yeah. the third minute in the third minute so not even three minutes into the match number zero nine roberto de la rosa beat Stuver um with a pretty good shot. It was a really good strike. It was hard to say from where we were sitting and we didn't get a replay of it. And then there was no TV broadcast. So like what we saw in the moment was all we got. Did you hear or talk to anybody about what it looked like from the supporter section and whether or not they thought Stuver should have saved it? No, I haven't heard anything else about that. And that that's a good point. For everything we're talking about in the game, this is sort of the collective knowledge of the press box because we were all having to like help each other out to even figure out who scored because there were there were no there weren't even really any stats right we never saw like possession or shots or any of that kind of stuff didn't show up in the press release so it was it was a team effort just to figure out even who scored um but yeah i think they probably usually i think they probably usually have like league resources running or either that or like the tv broadcast resources running those stats most likely and so yeah, I think those things just didn't exist to put on a board. <laughs> yeah, for, from what I could tell, it was a really good strike. I don't know what Stuver's position was. He he stretched out for it, but didn't get really anywhere close to it. Um, second goal came in the 22nd minute. The third goal came in the 28th minute, which I think that one was that beautiful header, a really nice like curling header from kind of the edge of the box. The guy was unmarked in the box, so maybe that was part of the problem. But as far as like the finish was really nice. And then the fourth goal came in the 42nd minute. And so 4-0 at halftime. About this time, 
looking down at the sidelines, Austin has nine players warming up just before halftime. So we're thinking we're probably going to see some pretty big changes, including Andrew Tarbell. You normally don't see a goalkeeper out warming up on the sidelines. So we figured we would see Tarbell in the second half. Uh, and we did end up seeing Tarbell. So I think they made eight changes and came out in the second half with a lineup of Tarbell, Lima, Gabrielson, Romagna, Gallagher, uh, Pereira, Felipe, Driussi, Redes, Hosen, and Fagundes. So the only players that stayed on were Lima, Felipe, and Fagundes. Yep. And the rest of the players were changed out. Um, at that point, it looked like they were playing more of what you would expect to see from Austin on a given night. Don't you think? I don't. It, I don't feel like it was still like as much of a the four four two look, but I could be mistaken. No, there. it looked it looked like a very much like a more traditional look, um, and yeah, and so Austin made the, all those changes at halftime, but Pachuca did not. Correct? They had seventeen. Yeah, they made a f- they made a few changes, but yeah, Austin had nine players warming up, and then we counted on the sideline. It looked like a small army down there warming up but it was 17 players from pachuca so we were thinking maybe they were going to swap out their entire 11 at halftime but it ended up making just a few changes at half and then eight changes uh at some point later on in the game i think it was 59th minute they ended up making eight changes but um lots of lots of moving around in the second half for sure yeah so then we come but, out of the half diego draws a penalty Driussi takes it buries it it's 4-1 and uh, I don't know if we thought that there was a comeback was on or not, but <laughs> there's a little bit of joy in the stands. Yeah. And then not long after that, I think in the 60 some odd minute, another penalty was drawn. I think Juicy drew this one and then took it himself. And that one got saved. I was typing a tweet whenever this shot was taken. So did did you see what happened on the save? He he went for the old right down the middle. I guess assuming the keeper would jump right or left, and went down the middle, and the 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 ball got blocked. So it was not a great strike from uh, Drew Gussi for sure. Um, one of the I guess interesting highlights from this game, Rodney Reddis came on in the second half. He looked pretty good, actually. He yeah, he did. He looked. I would say, yeah, he looked really good. He was, I mean, he was fast. He's always fast, right? He's always good at running around. But he looks, at, he looked to be running around with a purpose. Like he created a few chances for other people. Um, I feel like his quality deteriorated a little bit. Like the first twenty minutes of play were probably better than by the time we got to the end of the game. But yeah, he was, he was productive. I forget for sure. Play, yeah, played in some good. Like got in behind and stretched their back line a lot and got like received some balls behind the line. Um, played in some some nice crosses from both sides. Him and Diego ended up switching sides at one point, and Rodney went over to the left. Uh, and so he played decent crosses in from both sides. He ended up rocking the the woodwork in the 68th minute. Um, hit a ball really hard, and it was like right towards the upper corner. And I, I'm not sure which post it hit with it was the crossbar or the upright, but hit the ball really hard, and like it bounced all the way outside of the 18 again whenever it, it landed, but. Um, yeah, surprisingly good game from Rodney there. Um, some other guys we saw come on. Owen Wolf came on in the 73rd minute. I think we were kind of expecting to see him maybe play more, but I believe he, on, on last week's show, 
I said that we weren't going to see him in this one because he was away for international duty, but I got those dates mixed up and he actually, I think arrived back in town the day before, or maybe one or two days before this game. And so was available, but maybe didn't play as much either because they wanted to see other guys or because, uh, he was maybe still recovering from playing and then having the long plane trip, but he got a few minutes at the end there. Uh, Charlie Asensio got his first real minutes. I think he got some, a few, like some minutes and maybe one of the, the preseason scrimmages, but in like the televised friendlies or friendlies in the stadium or MLS matches, we have not seen Charlie Asensio at all. And so he comes on in the, what minute was that? Since the 68th was, yeah. minute. Uh, so he comes on for Lima. He goes, Asensio goes to left back. Gallagher switches over to right back. Uh, we got a question, or I guess a comment on on this switch from Chris ATX. And Chris said, I want to hear more about this. I'm I'm not entirely sure what Chris wants to hear from this, <laughs> but what I may be reading into it is, is maybe some hope that Charlie Asensio is like the answer or the savior at fullback. Um if that's what you're getting at, Chris, then the answer is no. He's <laughs> Charlie Asensio is not going to solve any problems for us, really. He looked fine, but nothing special. Like, I'd say a very Aiden Stanley-esque performance. You know, one player we didn't talk about was Hector there. Oh, we, no, we might have, right. We might have missed somebody because that would be the we natural. Him too. Yeah, if you're were, if you're switching out fullbacks, you know, your natural pairing would be to bring in, um, would be to bring in Hector there. So I don't know if they just. I don't know that you need to have Hector Jimenez there to learn anything about Hector Jimenez. So I think it's probably like a better use of the time to let Charlie Asensio play, but I don't think he was there at all as an option, which may be part of the reason why he was in. I think you might be right. I don't remember seeing him there. Um, um, the The end of the game was kind of a mess. I'd, I'd say like the last 15 to 20 minutes was just, I mean, bad from Austin because they were bad most of the game, but also just kind of messy all the way around. Yeah, it was bad. I think that's the point where we started talking about the new Top Gun movie in the press box because nobody really had <laughs> anything else to say about what was going on in the field. So, I mean, you can't read too much. You are not. You shouldn't read much into this at all, but are, is there anybody that stood out as being particularly good for you in this performance? Um... Not really. I mean, Ruben had some decent moments when he came on. And I think if nothing else, it was just telling to see the difference between Gabrielson and Romagna playing in that same spot. Uh, yeah. Gabrielson is a major upgrade. <laughs> yeah. It's not even close, but it, I mean, it was, it was good to get to see Romagna get a little bit of action. Yeah. Uh, and I he think. didn't have, he didn't have uh, a, terrible game but it's just like his flaws were still all there like they still exist he's not he didn't get better than he was last year yeah and one of, one of the comments we saw on twitter was about nick lima who continues to be pretty poor i thought he was bad again last night and he's been yeah. bad for several matches in a row and to the point about asensio and and hector too i mean we don't really have a solution there like if, if i was gonna go out and look for something in transfer window, like I would be looking for a new right back, I think, if it was up to me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm a Nick Lima fan. I was very excited when Austin brought him in. I thought he was quite good for most of the season last year. Um, I thought he was pretty good for the early season this year. And so there's there's games when I heard people say he was bad that I disagreed and kind of defended him. The last month or so, and then in this Pachuca game, I thought Lima was quite bad. Um, uh, I, we didn't mention him in our most. I think I guess we did mention fullbacks in our in most general disappointing. Yeah. But we mostly talked about Kolmanich, but I think Lima would fall in that category as well. I've been pretty disappointed with him because mostly because I know that he can be good and has been good in the past, and he's just not doing it right now. And then I thought Diego, which if you're gonna have a bad, if Diego's gonna have a bad game, I think this is the one to do it. But he didn't seem to do a lot. Yeah, I mean, he there was one moment in the second half. Drusi played a really nice kind of like diagonal through ball splits two or three players and finds Diego running into the box and Diego just takes a bad touch. He, he could have gotten a shot on like point blank on the keeper pretty easily, but may has a bad touch uh, and ends up like the keeper was off his line. And so comes out to pressure more and ends up chasing Diego all the way out to the sideline. And Diego kind of flicks it over him and gets by, but another defender kicks it out of bounds for a throw. But um, he should have had a shot on there. I Gite got into some really dangerous positions. There was a few crosses that it wasn't like he didn't completely like muff the touch. It wasn't like the ball bounced a hundred yards off of his foot, but he just settled it. And instead of being able to take a, an immediate shot, maybe he had to take an extra step to get the shot off. And then uh, was like, take guys on, and then give the ball away in a in an area that led to transition. I think we gave up a goal because of one of those. And another time, Gite, I think, dribbled like three or four defenders, ended up in the box 1v1 with the keeper, and then hit it over the crossbar, <laughs> not even on target. Yeah, you, you, so, saw, like, you saw that like the, all the upside and downside in his game, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so um, really frustrating. But yeah, because you saw like really great moments but he just couldn't couldn't finish anything so overall like a pretty disappointing night i would say i was hoping that this break would bring them back energized and like ready to rock uh if that's the case then we didn't see it this last night so i think the only hope now is that they're shaking off the rust from the international break and they'll be ready to go next weekend but I'm not feeling great about it at this point. <laughs> I just keep relying on the fact that Pachuca is a lot better than Montreal. And so that maybe it may have something to do with it, especially seeing the lineup that they played. Yeah, that's that being all that being said, how how poor Austin was, Pachuca is really good and they played really well on the night. So there's no shame in losing to that team, but losing to them in the way that we did is that's, pretty shameful. That, that's fair. <laughs> Um, all right. Any more on that game, Jeremiah? No, I think we've done, we've done enough of that. I appreciate everybody that followed us on Twitter, stuck with it. And I think we'll probably try to do that again at some point this year. I mean, that's probably, although that was the first sporting event I've watched completely sober in many, many years. It's <laughs> like drinking in the press box is not a good idea. So we'll see if we do it again during a league match, but it was a fun experience. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to a few Patreon questions before we get to the Diego Fagundes interview. So uh, we have two. They're both from the same person, Tom Halleck. Uh, we don't always answer more than one from the same person, but 
Tom just sent in some really good questions. So uh, first one, uh, do you want to ask this one, Jeremiah? Sure, because I feel like that you're the best equipped to answer this. So I will, <laughs> I will be the asking. And I don't, know, I don't know what Tom sounds like, but I'll try to do his voice. Um, <laughs> when a team trades us GAM, do we receive money, like actual money, or just the ability to spend more cash? I think of GAM like a credit line. So they're just giving us the ability to spend more if we want. This is a thing that I've always been extremely curious about. And I think I got clarification from this. Did did um, Sean Rubio clarify this to us? I think Sean did, yeah, when we interviewed him earlier this year. Okay, but this was a thing I was always very interested in. Like, like in practice, it doesn't really matter where the money's coming from. But because of the way my brain works, I really want to know exactly how it works. And so... From what I understand, well, okay, I, I'll break it down into pieces here. I think it's helpful to think of it as Garber bucks versus real money. And so those are the two types of currency that you can spend as an MLS team. So MLS is a single entity league, meaning every team technically belongs to the league. And the people that we call the quote unquote ownership are actually just investors who, because they have invested, have been giving, given the right to run a team. And so also because of this single entity structure, expenses and profits are partially shared, um, including player salaries. So the base salary budget and GAM are paid by the league. Those are league currencies, essentially. Um, also due to single entity, that's the reason why you can't, quote unquote, buy a player within MLS. It's all one organization. And so you can't buy a player from yourself. So instead, you trade GAM for them. Uh, and so it's this interleague, intraleague currency, which is the league money, aka Garber Bucks. And so the money that does come out of an owner's pocket, from what I understand, is DP salaries after 612,500. So if you're paying them 612,600, then all of it is being paid by the league except for that extra 100 on top of there. The owner is paying that. So Anthony Precourt would be paying that extra $100 for simplicity's sake. Um, as I understand, TAM is also paid out of an owner's pocket. It is a discretionary um, currency in MLS's eyes. They can only spend a fixed amount, so it is regulated by MLS, but it is paid for by the owners, and for that reason is why it's not tradable. You can't trade TAM within the league because, again, that would be seen as like buying something from yourself, and so weird legal rules why it works that way. So in conclusion, <laughs> uh, big transfer fees and big salaries are mostly – an owner's real money, like coming out of an owner's pocket. And then salary budget and general allocation money are made up of essentially imaginary tokens used as currency within the league. That's beautifully explained. And Sean will probably let us know if we got it wrong, if he listens. But I think <laughs> I think you get it right. Let's go to the other Tom Halleck question, because this is in a different, it's a very different vein, but it's also interesting. And that is, do you see a pathway to Cecilio being embraced by this is the important point here by all Austin FC fans again. <laughs> I had a friend say if he got in front of the cameras, apologizes that he's continuing to work on himself, that would go really far. But it feels weird the club hasn't released anything or had him say anything ahead of his return so far. 
I I think my short answer is is no, but I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are. Right, right. I, I would agree with that. I mean, there's there's a section of the fan base, and as a person who's very online, it's probably not as big as I think it is that or is never going to accept anything. And there's like a large chunk, like we talked about with Chris Bills or Wellhausen, I think. Like there's a large chunk of people who just like have tickets but don't know what's going on and they aren't connected. And when he shows back up, they're going to be like, oh, there that guy is. I wonder where he was. And they're going to be fine with it. You know, but I think there is a, like a part in the middle that is wants to see something and would be willing to re-embrace him. But we haven't seen that at all, I guess is what is what I'm thinking. Like none of the things that he would need to do or the team would need to do to like make that sort of influential, influential, influenceable. I don't know what that word is. Middle, like want to embrace him again. Like none of that has happened yet. Yeah. And I, I think as far as like a statement or some type of public apology, I think Tom's friend is right in that that would go a long way, but I think it's also a thing that will never happen. Yeah. Um, thinking about this as if it were, like uh, some type of trial or like legal situation. I'm sure the player's um, representation, meaning his agent and whoever else is looking out for him right now, will be telling him, you say nothing. Like you say absolutely nothing. And that's going to be the best for his career at this point in time is by saying nothing, because there weren't charges, he wasn't proven of having done anything in this particular instance. Saying anything is essentially admitting guilt. Um, and I just don't see that happening, regardless of of whether or not is the right thing or a smart thing to do as far as his image in Austin goes. I just think it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I think I agree with both your points. I don't think it's going to... I don't think it's going to happen either. Yeah, so... Another point that I kind of wanted to talk about is, I guess the thing I wanted to speculate about is we all thought that Cecilio might play against Pachuca, wasn't suited up. If he's not even playing like in a friendly game right now, do we see him suiting up and playing against Montreal? Like, is there, like, what does that timeline look like if he's still going to be on the field yeah i don't see any way that he's gonna play against montreal i mean if, if to your point if he's in the stands in street clothes one week before i don't think you're gonna see him in the field in canada so i don't know what the path is unless there's something that there's you know unless there's something they've worked out to send him somewhere else that we just don't know about like i don't i don't know what it looks like yeah that's the thing that it had me thinking or like just got me curious about is if maybe they do have something in the works or at least starting to have talks with people, uh, I could see if there's no takers, no, no teams interested in him right now, maybe you do start looking to work him back in the team. If for no other reason, but because of the like reasons with the players association and the CBA, like you can't just sit him forever. Otherwise that would be seen as uh undue punishment but if there are suitors like teams that are interested in taking him on either permanently or on loan or whatever it is maybe you do just sit him out a little bit longer and don't take the pr hit of playing him and maybe the player's okay with that if there are other suitors so 
that yeah, it just kind of piqued my interest a little bit and made me think like maybe there are maybe there is something in the works right now that he could be gone soon. All right, any anything else on that, Jeremiah? No, I think it's probably time for a break. We again have done a whole lot of show before going to commercial <laughs> break, and we've got some exciting things for people to hear when we come back. We do. We're going to have that interview with uh, Diego Fagundes, and we'll also have our preview of the Montreal game. So hang tight. We'll be right back. All right. Austin Daily Drop is back as a sponsor. Austin Daily Drop is a podcast that you should absolutely listen to. It is a, a quick digest of impactful and interesting local news stories brought to you by longtime trusted Austin broadcasting veteran Chris Mosier. Chris covers everything from city government to local business to sports to live music to dining and everything else in between. And there's not a lot else in between. I feel like that covers almost everything. Uh, he picks news items that catch his eye personally, doesn't offer a lot of opinions or editorializing. It all comes from solid sources and it's all direct and to the point and useful. Yeah, the only garbage source he uses occasionally is us. Right. Austin right. FC News. <laughs> uh, podcast is released Monday through Friday by 8 a.m. generally. It usually runs between 8 and 10 minutes, super fast. Uh, length of a short commute or even uh, a shower, a, a dog walk. I, Phil, Phil West measure, measures podcasts and dog walks, right? And so he usually says ours is two dog walks. This is like maybe a quarter of a dog walk. Very short, very quick, very useful. So... The Austin Daily Drop is a quick, easy, and reliable way to stay up to speed about everything happening in Austin that you need to know about. I'm excited to give this line for the first time. I think since we've had him as a sponsor, so (laughs) give Chris 10 minutes and he'll give you Austin. We'll also be doing another ticket giveaway for the next home match, thanks to Sage Wilson Property Group. To enter, go to MoontowerSoccer.com, then click on the free ticket giveaway button in the top navigation bar, or click on the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Again, this is made possible by Sage Wilson Property Group. So if you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, and who isn't at this point in time, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. We are also brought to you by... FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. So this is going to be my FVF question of the week. So, you know, follow, follow, follow my Instagram and go through things. And they're one of the sponsors of uh, this corporate battle of the bands to benefit HAM, which is the Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. And I want to know, have you ever been to a corporate battle of the bands? Uh, what does that mean? So it's like companies compete Oh, so like it's like a ban from a company. I'm just thinking, like, do you think that's good? Like, does your average company in Austin have enough talented musicians that it's worth showing up, or do you think that like maybe it's really secretly awful and that's why you never see I, any footage from it? I feel like most of it would be like maybe kind of bad, but in a fun way. But then there would be like a couple of companies that just like knock your socks off and like secretly have these dudes who like would be professional musicians but instead are like working at banks or software software salesman because it pays a lot better (laughs) to be a musician yeah so now i'm I'm very fascinated by the idea of going to a corporate battle of the band now i guess it's like the punchline to this part of the uh, the show von flaterns get at us with an invite to the next one we need to know about these things so you can go to FVF Law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FVF.law. 
All right. Today we are joined by Diego Fagundes. Diego, thanks so much for uh, coming on Moon Tower Soccer. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you are tied for the league lead in assists. You have three goals. You're in fourth place in the Western Conference. The one question I have to ask is, how did you kick that ball through the car so easily in that commercial? Oh, that's easy. It's practice, right? You know, <laughs> it only took me one try to do that. <laughs> Does Wolf have y'all? I, kicking... I got some magic powers that I can do that. You know, is that a thing that Josh Wolf has been working with you guys on this year? No, that's on my own. <laughs> <laughs> uh the whole team got a little bit of time off recently did you were you able to take advantage of it and do anything fun i did i actually um after that late game even though we lost and stuff i actually stayed in la for a couple of days um to regroup uh and just get away from soccer for a little bit because um uh, this season's long so when you get breaks like that it's always nice to like get away and not focus on it and just reflect on it. Um, and that's kind of what I did. Me and my family, we went out there and uh, spent some time, uh, did some universal parks and um, some good restaurants. It's just hung out, beach and stuff. So it's always nice to do that. Um, but it's always nice to come back too because then, you know, the season's back getting going. Um, so I think everybody enjoyed that little time off that we had. That's good. Um so you spent the, I guess the rest of your career before coming to Austin, you were with the New England Revolution. I don't want to make you or put you in the position where you have to say that playing in Austin is better than playing in New England. You can say that if you want to, but I won't make you say it. But just tell us a little bit about the, like, what are the major differences as far as the cities, the fan cultures, the team culture? What has been different about coming here to Austin? I think, it, well, one of the things that I was excited about coming here is that the team Austin FC wanted me um, when I first talked to Claudio and, and Josh Wolf, they, the way they described why they wanted to bring me, it was actually really exciting for it. Um, so it kind of uh, brought uh, energy and, and happiness to me um, where I think I was missing it a little bit. So um, that was number one. And then uh, I think the culture is very different. I think here the, the fan base and, the atmosphere in the stadium just blows my mind how crazy it is and how loud it is. And that I think their energy is what brings my energy going. It keeps me going. Um, people ask me how I run a lot. And to me, I think it's more the fans outside the energy they're showing and gets related to us. And then we keep going. So um, it, it's just a huge part of it. And I think, and I, I always tell people, no matter where you go in Austin, you will see an Austin FC hat, a jersey, something related to Austin FC. And I think that's important to see. Um, we don't have any other professional sports here. So it's very different than Boston where we where there's a lot of professional teams out there. Well, I was going to ask you about running a lot. So I think we could probably skip part of that one. But I think I've seen some like posts online and stuff like the high performance staff here. You seem to have connected with them really well, too, right? Like, do you feel like in a different level of, of fitness overall? Yeah, I think since I got here last year to this year, I think my fitness definitely grew. Um, I think I was able to always able to run, um, but just the way I maintain and being able to play 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, it's it's huge. And um, like, but like I said, I think they, they do a good job with us. Um, and and then the fans just bring our energy out. So that's how that's how we're able to run so much. That's, that's awesome. That's good to hear. It's part of that fan base. So 
So you played, you know, you played on both the left, you know, and the right through the year. Like what's, if it was up to you, if you have one spot on the field, where would you be? I would be on the left or as a 10. Um, those are my main positions where I know I can make an impact in the game and I know where uh, I can get my, myself, my, the best Diego that we can on the field. That's where it would be. So you've been playing the game a long time, like I mentioned earlier. Is there something about the way that you've, that you play or some, like a way you think about the game that has had to change a little bit to fit into this system and to play the way that, that Josh Wolf wants you to? I think they, they just challenged me to make sure that I'm getting in the box, making runs. Um, I think my style has always been the same. Um, and then when you have good players like Drewsy next to you um, who actually make you play better, um, it's always nice. Um, I think everybody knows that we're good friends off the field, but on the field, we're always looking for each other. We're always trying to make uh, something happen. And then you start adding a Maxi Ruti, who is a goal scorer. And it's, it's, it's like dominoes. It all falls down together the right way. And that's what we want. Um, and I think that's, what's been clicking this year for us. Um, the last couple of games, I don't, hasn't been our best games, but um it's going to happen. Our season's going to go up and down and we just, we need to make sure that we stay on top. Um, still winning games at home and getting results on the way. And that's what makes a good team uh, make it far. You mentioned Drew Can you tell us a little bit about like, what is like just a little bit about his character on the field? Like what, what is, what is his mentality? Is he a demanding player or does he just kind of lead by example like what is his attitude on the field when, when it comes to playing with other other players I, I think you can get everything from him I think he leads by example but I think I think if he wants to he also he has a voice and he can tell people he can get mad um, and that's always nice and I think I think the number one thing is just lead by example I think when you see he's pressuring that gets me all right let's go I need to go too and I need to follow um and it's the same thing with Maxi Ruti. I think when he just goes and pressures defenders, it brings um uh Drusi around and he's ready to go. And then it gets me going, and then it gets our midfielders going, and and it just keeps going, and and that's what we need from a team. If one person is doing all the work, then it's not it's not a team. I think this team has we have a lot of in, uh good individual players but collectively as a team i think we are a lot better and some of the other new guys that have come in to the team seem to have really become important parts of of team culture of locker room culture what is it about those guys that has allowed them to do that so quickly and just just coming in just during the off season i think one thing that this team from when i first joined that is something special that Everybody welcomes you with open arms. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how it, it where you come from. It does not. We we let everybody come in. We try to get them as comfortable as we can. Um, if they need help, we help them. If they if they want to talk, we talk to them. It, and that's what makes us a family. I think um, we go to we go to dinners as team dinners, just players no coaching. And, and that's always nice to see. That's how you build the relationships with your teammates, not just in the locker rooms, in the locker rooms, you're always going to have to be good with each other. But the, what's important is what you do after the game, after the practice, are you guys going out to eat? Are you guys going out somewhere? And I think that's always nice to see. And I think that's why our chemistry is so strong on the field that um, it's showing. 
Um, and I think the number one thing is people are doubting us how good we are. And I think that's what fuels us a little more. And we can let them talk and say whatever they want to say about us. We're not good enough. We haven't beat the good teams and this and that. But at the end of the day, we're, we're just we're just staying quiet and we're going out there and showing people what we can do. And it, you don't seem like you're an overly vocal player on the field or in any of like the behind the scenes videos that we get, but it seems like you do lead with your, with your effort and your example. What do you see as your role within this team and within the locker room? Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm a player that likes to talk on the field or yell on the field. I think I'm more just show by example, just go out there and do my job, work hard, uh, show my work rate, do everything I can to, to win a game. Um, and I always tell people, if I have to run for someone else, I will. As long as the team is playing well and we're winning, I really don't care who's not running and who's running. Um, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all wanna, we all want to win games. Um, so if, I, if, I don't, if I'm not being loud and you want to yell at me and this and that, that's fine because I'll, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll show it. Um, people ask me why I don't get tired. Trust me, I get tired, but these fans just get all the energy out of me. And it's, it's, it's nice. That's, that's awesome. So we, we had uh, Trevor Polio's dad on a couple weeks ago um, on the show. So I know we've seen a little bit of Polio in your social media feed too. Like how did you, somebody just wave a chicken at you one day? Or like, how did that come to be? <laughs> yeah, no, he, uh, he messaged me and he said, you want to, they were going to raise money for, um, for a good cause. And I said, yeah, I'll definitely join you. Um, it's been a couple times. There's some for the animals. There's some for the, 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 um, the mass shooting that happened here in Texas. Um, it's, it's, it's always nice to, to be involved with fans like that, that are trying to help the community. And if I can do something as small as making a post or donating something, I will always do that. It's, um, I'm a big community guy. I like be going around the community and hanging out with fans and meeting new people. Um, and so that's something that I do on my own. It's, I don't need someone to, to tell me where to go or what to do. If, if I want to join the community and, uh, and they ask me to, and I feel like it's something that's important to me, then I will. Um, so it's, it's nice. And I think they're the they're team and, we gave our teddy bear to them and I think he went around the whole stadium and people were taking pictures with him and Poyo. Um, and talking about Poyo, I actually, we just did the event at Q2 and I got a little figure one that, like this big with my name on it and Poyo. So um, I have it in my house just as a decoration. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I, mean, I love how much y'all are uh, from the start, like how much y'all are involved in the community and really like, real people, you know, out in the world and connecting with fans and really being a part of Austin, which is something I think we all hope for, but we didn't know for sure was going to happen. I think people, I think people underestimate athletes. I think, uh, they think that we don't want to do things around the community and stuff, but, um, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's hard because we go and we train for hours and, and we're watching film and we're doing all this and that, that sometimes you can't get out there, but when you can, and if you do, you, you see how, how you meet new people and how important it is to them. Um, I always get thanked for going out in the community. And people don't have to thank me because it's, it's something that I want to do on my own. Um, I'm part of uh, Austin right now. And to me, this is home. So whatever I can do to help, I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. 
Um, but this team is definitely, we've definitely done a lot for this community and hopefully we can keep growing and keep doing more for them. Um, and I think there's going to be bigger things that we can do for, for this. So uh, it's always exciting to be here. Yeah. So, so on back on polio. So I think we saw in the parking lot, like your dad drinking beer out of polio FC and Houston. Like, did you, did you see that? Did you like, did you text him afterwards and tell him good job or ask him what he was doing or. You know, what's important to me that my family's having fun while they're here in Austin. They, they moved here for a reason. And I think they're, they're enjoying their time. And um, that's important to me. Another question is like how, so your dad's your agent. What's that like to have the person who's sort of your financial or your business advisor, also the person who's your father? Like what's that relationship like? It's easy. We try not to, we try when it's, when it's business, we talk business, but it's always a father and son situation. Um, he always wants the best for me and, and I'll always listen to him. Um, if there's ever going to be a hard situation, hopefully we don't have to go through anything like that, but there might be a situation where it's going to be tough, but at the same time, I think he knows it's, he'd rather have a father son situation than an agent in player situation. So, um, we talk a lot about soccer. We, we talk about my future and stuff. Um, but when, when we're happy and we know that we want to stay and stuff, then we just focus on what we have right now because that's what's going to make me a better player. Okay, so we had John Gallagher on not long ago and started a tradition with him where we went to the Los Verdes Slack, and there's a channel that exists there called Handsome Boys Modeling Football Club, HBMFC for short. And it is a channel that... uh I guess you could say focuses on the physical attributes of the players more so than their, their skill attributes, but we wanted to give them, give them an opportunity to ask you some questions as well. And uh, so the first one comes from Stephanie Dempsey and she asked, what is your favorite brunch item? Brunch item or breakfast, whatever. Um, I like eating sunny side up eggs with uh, bacon and potatoes. All right. That's a good answer. Next the next one is from Stephanie Torres, and a different Stephanie. She asks, "What is your pregame hype song? What do you listen to before a game to get to get amped up?" Any Bad Bunny, any right. Bad Bunny song is what I go to. And is that what you listen to in regular life as well, or yeah. uh, do you have other stuff that's like more off the field stuff? Nah, I have a whole just playlist on uh, on Spotify, Bad Bunny. Um, Maluma, um, a lot of reggaeton and stuff. So, just in reality, anything. I like some country, some Sam Hunt. All right. The next one is from Adrian. She asks, aside from any tattoos involving your kids, what is your favorite tattoo? Uh, what is my favorite? Probably, um, well, I, ha I would have to say I have a couple that I like. I have the one on my hand that says, dream, believe, achieve. And that's just, the, it's a message to kids saying that you need to dream what you want to do um, in your life. And you have to believe in that and work hard in it. And then at the end of the end of the tunnel is you achieved it. So once you can answer all three of them, then you know, you've made to what you want to do in life. Um, the other one would be on my right leg and it says, be you. Uh, you just have to be yourself and not let other people just, dictate who you are or what what you want to do and then my last one which um, i need to read it because um it's on my right you forget side what it of said. my leg and it says no matter where life takes me 
Yeah, I did. <laughs> I always read it and it's either one or the others, but it says, no matter, uh, no matter where life takes me, you'll always find me with a smile. And, and that's the truth. Um, I'm always smiling. I'm always happy. I'm always, um, if I'm not showing the smile while I'm playing, then I'm not having a good game and that's not what we want. So she also asked, what is your silliest tattoo? Those all seem to be kind of inspiring ones. Do you have any just like silly fun ones? Uh, probably the spider web on my knee cap. Does it have any, any significance or, or, or you just thought like it was this. cool? No, I just didn't know what to put on my kneecap. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to put a spider web. <laughs> Something simple, you know? Can I ask this next one from her? Is it, uh, yeah, who, go for it. Who on, the, who on the team smells the best? Who on the team smells the best? I think you have to exclude, you, yeah, you have to exclude yourself, I think, for this one. I, I think, I think it, uh, probably uh, Sewadrusi. Of course it is. What what is what does he smell like? Does he just smell like he looks perfect? <laughs> he smells pretty good. It's all good, you know. It, it it's funny because you say that because there's players on this in this locker room right right before going out to training and games they put cologne on. So hey, <laughs> we all like to smell good on on this team. It's a good thing. Um, so we ask a lot of questions from Adrian here, but she's just putting out club banger after club banger. The next one is who gives the best hugs after goals and victories? Yeah, I think, uh, I think either Maxi Ruti gives good hugs, but it's a, that's a tough one. Um, but I think I'm going to go with myself to be honest, because I'm always right. the first person that jumps on people and hugs them and, uh, rides their back a little bit. So I get very excited with goals. <laughs> I was I was curious if you're going to say one of the bigger guys just because you get like the big bear hug squeeze. No, if we're talking about just if we're talking about just a regular hug, then I would go with Romagna. That sounds right. That but uh, on a goal celebration, um, I'd probably have to say with Maxi Ruti or myself. Okay, uh, the last question we have here is is from Chap. He asks, "What is your preferred inseam on shorts?" Are we talking like six inch, five inch, four inches? What what do you, what do you like? The smaller the better, right? As long as it doesn't <laughs> show in my privates, we're good. <laughs> we there's we we see you like kind of like rolling your your shorts legs up sometimes, and a lot of people in the HBMFC channel they keep saying just give the boys what they want, let them play in like little hot pants. Would you prefer playing in just like the smallest shorts possible? Yeah, just like I don't. If I could just wear my underwear, I would. That's would just be <laughs> just simple. I don't. I don't need no, you know, shorts. But nah, it's. I don't know. I've always, I've always done it my whole life. I train like that. I train like that, and I play like that. Um, sometimes when I start rolling up, is when I'm really mad, and I try not to get mad. I just take it all on my shorts, and I'll <laughs> put them really high up. And come on look at my legs let's be honest <laughs> all right i think that is all we had for you diego this was a lot of fun thanks so much for doing this man no of course thank you for having me thank you i ain't got no time to let you pass i only got one life and it's gone too fast all right 
we want to thank Diego Fagundes one more time for joining the show. We had uh, some tight scheduling constrictions on this one, and then Diego ended up having some uh, connection issues on his on his end with Wi-Fi. But I think the audio came out good enough, so hopefully that wasn't too much of an issue. But it was a blast to get to talk to him. So we're we're very thankful that Austin FC allows us to do that, and thankful for the players for for being willing to do it. Uh, let's jump on onto our Montreal preview, Jeremiah. Give us our brief history lesson. Yeah, so Montreal started play in MLS in 2012. Is the Montreal Impact. They played in a couple other leagues before under the same name. Um, in 2015, they became the second MLS club to make the CONCACAF Champions League final, but they weren't really even very good in MLS in 2014. I believe they got into that through winning the Canadian the Canadian Cup or whatever as like a qualifying team out of Canada, not as one of the MLS teams. Um, my favorite thing about them is that Maxi Arruti has a Montreal Impact tattoo. Maybe the only person carrying the uh, the Fleur de Lis brand on forward. And like he was never their leading scorer or anything. I went back and looked at it. Like I don't know. Maybe he was just like a very he was at an impressionable age or something where he decided that the Montreal logo it wasn't was a that tattoo. Long ago. I mean, that's where he was get. before Houston. Okay. So he wasn't a super young guy. I think I, mean, I don't know, maybe he just liked it there. <laughs> maybe maybe he liked the logo. I like that logo better than the logo they have now. So, like, I mean, if I was going to get a tattoo of one of them, that's the one I would use. Wait, but so the they just changed the logo again. Back so, to... Well, it's it looks back. much more... It, it much m- looks very much like or more like the old one with the fleur-de-lis on it. So you like the... You don't like the snowflake one. Well, I mean, I would call it the butthole one, but yeah, I like... I, don't, <laughs> I like the fleur-de-lis one better, yes. I actually like the snowflake one better. Um, I still think it was a dumb idea to change it so drastically without consulting the fans on it because they clearly hated what they did. But uh, objectively speaking, I I prefer the snowflake one. But yeah, they they are going to change it back to a Florida-Lee looking one. Um, Then what happened with uh, with the... Impact? No, CF Montreal. CF Montreal last year. So... Terry on stepped down and was it was like a kind of a COVID thing, right? Didn't he say he wanted to like spend more time with his family or not be away from his family or whatever? Because it was really late. It was like February of 2021 when he stepped down. Like it was right before yeah. the season started. Yeah. So it seemed to be more of like family issues than it was anything to do with the job itself, but still a, kind of a, a big loss as far as just the kind of, I mean, like there were, people questioning his his coaching abilities but as far as like his impact on the the scene around the team and um just like being able to talk to players and like the building rapport just like carrying weight whenever you're telling somebody the players like having Thierry Henry in a locker room is a big deal and so losing him so close to being in the season was was kind of rough so Wilfred Nancy took over for Thierry Henry and his um by all accounts, done a really good job with the team. They ended up um, okay towards the end of the season last year. Didn't make it wasn't enough to make the playoffs, but coming into this season, they've had pretty low expectations and have kind of blown all those expectations out of the water. Yeah, I didn't know until today when I went and looked it up for preparing for the show that they were third in the Eastern Conference. So I would say that that's definitely exceeding expectations. Yeah, third in the East. Um, they have Georgi Mihailovic, who 
depending on who you ask and on the given week would be uh, in the running for league MVP at this point. Uh, they, they also have Austin FC legend Kamal Miller playing center back for them. Yeah, it, my, my, my very favorite player we ever never <laughs> we ever never had. <laughs> um, so talking about Mihailovic, he went out injured in their last game before the international break. Uh, it really sucks for him. He was set to go to his, I don't think it was his first camp with the men's national team, but probably his most important camp with the national team because Berhalter is working on finalizing his World Cup roster at this point. Mihailovic, in such good form, was going to get a chance to to make that World Cup roster, ended up not getting to go. We don't really know if he's going to be back for this game. There's been very little, uh, very little news, very little information come out about how serious his injury is and how long he's going to be out. So he is the team's top scorer right now with seven goals. He's tied for second and assists with four. Uh, but he is the most important part of this team and may or may not be available. That being said, even if he isn't available, this is still a good team. Like they have really good pieces all over the field. And there's guys, I was looking at their bench and there are players on their bench that were pretty much like nailed on starters for the last two seasons that are now not starting for them, which I think is a sign of progress, right? Like if you have guys that you are depending on who are now bench warmers because they've been replaced by better players, then that's that's good for a team. Um, also, Victor Wanyama, who came in in 2020, uh, he had an okay season last year, but he's been really good this season uh, in their midfield. Uh, they got Alistair Johnson from Nashville. He's been really good. They brought in uh, Joel Waterman. I can't remember where he was playing, but he's on their back line alongside uh, Rudy Camacho and Kamal Miller. He's been really good as well. So they have a lot of good players in a lot of different positions. So even if Mihailovic doesn't play, this is not a team we should take lightly, especially going into their house and, and playing against them. Yes, let's talk about the keys. Well, let's talk about uh, Danny Pereira, I guess, first. Then we can talk about what Boston should look to do. So Danny will not be traveling with the team um, because he can't play in Canada because of his status as an asylum seeker. So what does that mean for Austin? Well, as we referenced earlier, I think it would have been pretty straightforward is that you play Valencia in that spot and maybe do kind of what we saw against LAFC and play Valencia and ring in more of a double pivot, uh, play a little bit more reserved, a little bit more defensively than we would in other moments, just because this is a, a high powered offensive team score, a lot of goals. Um, and so maybe play a little bit more reserved than we would at home or against a weaker opponent. But if Valencia is not available, maybe you still do the same thing, kind of what we saw the other night and you do the same thing, but with Felipe, in there instead do you see if Valencia is not available do you see any other possibility happening I don't know how else they do it and that gets back to something we didn't mention when we were talking about that game but Felipe has not looked great in his time so far and did not look great um against Pachuca so I would be worried about seeing significant minutes out of him but I don't I think he has to be the next guy up in that situation yeah I think so too um yeah, he just hasn't been super clean on the ball, hasn't connected passes really. So, yeah, it would make me a little bit nervous to have him there. If Valencia is available, then I 
I feel okay about that because it, it did work to the extent that we needed it to against LAFC anyway. Um, but I think it does just give you like that defensive assurance there and having ring and him there in the middle. I guess you could get crazy and play uh, ring as more of the six and then uh, Fagundes and Driussi as those central midfielders. And then I guess Owen Wolf and Ethan Finley on the wing. I don't know. That's Maybe gets, Rodney earned yeah. himself a spot. <laughs> that just gets back to one of those where you have like so many people doing not the thing that they're best at that it makes for a really tough situation. Yeah. Um, so I would, yeah, I would guess it, it ends up being something more like what we saw uh, against Pachuca the other night, but with all of the starters in um, instead of some of those guys we saw. But I think the key to this game is going to be, I, I think Austin needs to score early in this game. So Montreal has the, scored the most goals in the East with 28. They've also given up the second most goals in the East at 26. So they do give up goals. I think they have one shutout all season. And so it's goals are there to be had. I think Austin, like they can't leave this one late and hope to, to nick one at the end. Like Montreal is almost certainly going to score just because they score a lot. And so I think scoring early gives Austin a better chance of, of maybe being able to stay in this game. But if they go down early with the bad run of form that they've been in, maybe not being super sharp coming in off of this long break, it could get ugly if, if they go down early. That being said, we've gone down early in games several times this year and come back and, and done pretty good. But I just think traveling so far and playing without some of your key players, it's just a more dangerous scenario this time. Uh, any other thoughts on the Montreal game? No, I'm happy to have league action back and hopefully we can get past whatever happened against Pachuca and move forward. Yeah, here's to hoping. <laughs> All right. Um, we would like for you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It helps us grow our audience. We are also still doing donations to Austin Pets Alive in honor of Poyo FC. So if you want to uh, help us out and then help out some, some animals, make sure and leave us a review. And then if you want to continue the conversation, come find us on Twitter at LVHero87 and at jbentley underscore atx, and then at Moon Tower Soccer, both on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, sign up for the Patreon. Make us answer questions. We'll also send you some uh, some cool swag. I sent out some, some of the more recent packages this last weekend. So if you're missing yours, then it should be on the way right now. And then we'd like to encourage you to visit the Striker Texas website where you can use the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M, MOONTOWER22 with a capital M, and get a 30% discount. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for there? Uh, this week, well, Phil, Phil wrote an article about the Pachuca match, which is nice because it's going to be the most uh, comprehensive art that think, pieces you can find on that. And then just a lot of uh, getting ready to get back into covering the regular season at this point. Um, I also want to plug an article that Chris Bills published uh, today on Monday. I think it says something about the neutral in the title, but it's talking about this, um, this warm-up exercise that Austin does before games. And talking to coaches about 
kind of which players they use and which roles in it. It gives a good little insight into what they're trying to do with the exercise, but also into kind of the mentality of certain Austin FC players. I thought it was really cool. Like I love stories like that. So check that one out too. Um, it looks like we've gotten five. Is is that is this number still accurate, this, Jeremiah? Yeah, five reviews? Five reviews this week. So we're at uh, $50 for Austin Pets Alive. So let's give us some more reviews so we can give some more money. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer where we will review the match in Montreal and then we'll preview the first match of the season against FC Dallas and then cover any other, any other news that happens between now and then. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Thank for nothing, so you never. La gente. Oh my God. I think like 20 years ago, your average like battle of the bands would be like 10 different bands playing Gloria by Van Morrison. <laughs>